0: everyone welcome to this week's episode of the journey home podcast and um, if you've been following along we are in the midst of a journey through Paul's letter to the Galatians and so um, if you've been listening and you're listening today you know I hope that you've enjoyed it I hope it's been a blessing to you Um, and I actually didn't realize this after finishing last week's episode but um, we have reached the halfway point you know and in terms of at least modern translations uh, chapter breakdowns, right, of the letter, which didn't exist in the original letter, but um, you know, uh, in terms of those markings, we are halfway through, and so we've you know finished the first half. We're starting the second half today, and so um, I'm excited to continue um, with you. And you know, as I mentioned in previous episodes, we are we're we're still in the part of the letter which I think is really the heart of the letter, um, and it's where Paul is really working to unpack what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't and so today i want to share um, some thoughts with you from the beginning and the end of chapter four um, where paul uses two analogies um, one from daily life one from israel's history uh, to help us understand um, the gospel and so um, that's what we're going to talk about today i'll just say right here at the front of the episode um this is going to be a, uh, this, this chapter is a little tricky. Um, maybe not in what it addresses directly, um, because he does meant, but because Paul does talk about slavery, he talks about, you know, Sarah and Hagar, um, whose children were Ishmael and Isaac. And, um, if you understand, um, the, the, the history of the of those two sons and their descendants, you know, you know, it's it can be debated, of course, as with anything. But most people uh, do believe that um, that uh, Muslim Arabs are one of the main people groups that descended from Ishmael. I'm sure other you know people groups can trace their lineage back to Ishmael, but you know, Muslim Arabs trace their lineage back to Ishmael and. Um, you know, of course, the Jewish people trace their lineage back to Isaac and so or to Abraham as well, but to Isaac. And so, you know, that relationship is very complicated, remains very complicated to this day. And, you know, I think many of you understand that through history, the Bible has been, uh, you know, misinterpreted or twisted even to. Justify all manner of evil, and so that's why today's episode, you know, might be a little delicate because, um, you know, again, I don't think I don't think Paul is addressing those issues head on, but because he does mention them, you know, I want to um, at least attempt to touch on it, though I can't do a full treatment on those. So I just want you to know that right here at at the beginning is that, um, you know it'll be it'll be a, a bit a little bit delicate uh, of an episode here so let's just um jump into the first analogy and i'll explain more as we go okay um so the first analogy that paul um uses you know comes from just daily life in his culture and society um, and it starts in verse one he says now i say that as long as the heir is a child he differs in no way from a slave though he is the owner of everything." Instead, he is under guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. Um, So the picture here is of a young child um, being placed under the supervision of, you know, again, what Paul would call a guardian or a trustee. Other translations would say a tutor or a governor. And, you know based upon your experiences or your culture that might make sense to you it might not make sense to you Uh, but in Paul's day in Paul's time um, you know especially for wealthy families and yes for for the sons of the family because it was you know primarily a patriarchal society um, that was a common practice you know that the sons would be placed under the stewardship of a tutor um and my understanding is that tutor would be pretty tough on them you know pr- you know probably even tougher than his own parents would be um because that tutor's responsibility was to prepare that child for adulthood for maturity um because they stood to inherit you know whatever it was that the family owned right like they you know and Paul says that you know even though the child technically is the owner of everything. Like you don't hand over a great inheritance, you know, to a child when, you know, when he's a little child, you know, that child has to grow up, that child has to mature. And so it was that tutor's responsibility to train them, to watch over them, to supervise them, to, you know, just watch their life, watch their morality, um, and really just, again, make sure that they were growing up to be prepared for that. And so, you know, We might hear that today and, you know, it doesn't make sense to us or we think, man, that sounds awful, you know. Um, But the truth is, I think if we if we really think about it, though, we can understand it. Right. We do expect to go through a certain level of training if we want to accomplish something in life or attain a certain standing in life. Right. Like we understand that there is some pain involved. Right. Like not that we love the pain, but we understand that to some degree, it is necessary, right? Like, if you're gonna, you know, become a doctor, you got to go through med school and, you know, residency, you know, that's, that's painful. You know, if you're gonna, you know, become uh, an athlete, you know, you're gonna have to grind through those practices and, and the training and, you know, and all those things. And that's not easy, you know, and, and you might have a coach that's really tough on you, right. Uh, but it's, you know, and I'm not trying to justify like abuse, of course, but I'm saying like, a good coach will push you. A good coach will challenge you and you might not like it or find it pleasant all the time, um, but it is necessary. And so, you know, even if that Paul's uh, analogy feels very distant or foreign uh, to you, I think we, if we really think about it, we can understand, um, you know, the, the kind of picture he's trying to paint. But, um, but again, I, what I really want us to get out of it is that There is something that God has for us. There's an inheritance that he has for us. There's a standing, a status that he has for us, you know, a power and authority that he wants to give us, but he can't just hand it to us, you know, in our immature, not just immature, but like unregenerate state, right? Like we would not use it properly. We would not wield that power or that responsibility Uh, you know well and even that relationship you know um, we wouldn't steward it well and so um, that's the analogy it's sorry not no it is an analogy sorry yeah you English you know majors out there can correct me if there's a better word for it but I I believe analogy is the right word Um, but yeah I mean that's the the kind of picture that Paul is trying to paint is that you know God did create us for a purpose and You know, we understand that that was lost through the fall of man. But God's plan of redemption is to restore back everything that was lost, everything that was surrendered, everything that was stolen um, at the fall. You know, God is working to restore all of that um, and and even in, in an even more glorious manner. And so, you know, I think we we can have that tendency to see, you know, The things that God forbids or see God as a taker you know like God is the one who you know keeps me from doing these things or tells me not to do these things and there's truth to that so I'm not going to deny that but there's a whole nother side of God that I think we a lot of times lose sight of or we have a tendency not to see Um, I think that's a common temptation I think actually that was the original temptation for Adam and Eve is to see God as a taker and not or solely as a taker, I should say, and not as a giver. Because it was true, God did forbid them to eat from that one tree. But at the same time, he said they can eat from every other tree in the garden. It's just not that one. And so it's easy for us to fixate on the thing that God said not to do or that God said we can't do. But there is a that's an incomplete view of God. There's a whole other side of God where he wants to graciously give us all good things. And truthfully, if God tells us not to do something, it's for a a good reason, but we can so easily not see it that way, right? And so we can just, again, see God in that one-dimensional way with forgetting that he also wants to graciously give us so much, so many good things. And so um, this is the first, again, the first analogy that Paul's using, it's this idea that You know, the law, as I said last week, it wasn't the ideal, but it was necessary for a time to keep us in check, you know, to restrain us from doing evil. You know, it was a tutor. It was a guardian for us until the fullness came, you know. But when the fullness of of time came, you know, talking about Jesus and all that he did and accomplished, you know, there's a few things that happens. In verse five, he says, you know he he redeemed those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and so that relationship is restored that relationship with God that was lost at the at the fall it is restored um, so that's one thing the second thing is he says in verse six because you are sons God sent the Spirit of His Son in our hearts crying Abba Father and so he gives us his holy spirit as and in other letters paul says it's as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come and so the spirit is part of the promise it's part of the inheritance because so many things happen with the spirit but it but i think the main thing is that it writes the law on our hearts it changes our fundamental nature and it shifts us into a new reality um You know, remember the new covenant, it's not just a a fresh start or a clean slate. It's a it's bringing us into a whole new reality that we didn't have access to previously. So that's the second thing that happens. And then the third thing he says, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. And so I know that word son has a lot of gender implications, but I don't think it's primarily about gender in this in this illustration um, because he goes on to, you know, include, you know, sons and daughters into the inheritance that God wants to give. And so it's actually more about a status or a standing, a, an authority that's given and an inheritance that's given. Because again, in that society, that authority, that inheritance was passed on through the sons, but in God's kingdom, anyone who comes to him, male or female, you know, slave or free, Jew or Greek, you know, they are all considered sons and daughters of God. And as a result, they we are all heirs in his kingdom, which is just crazy, right? Like God does not have to do any of this. You know, if all he said was, you know, you're forgiven and I'm not going to send you to hell, like that alone would be reason enough to praise him. For all eternity right like just to not give us what we deserve is amazing he doesn't have to give us more on top of it i mean it just goes to show the goodness of god and you know again the fact that he is not primarily a taker or a forbidder he is a gracious giver he wants to give us all of these good things you know so um you know, again, I mentioned this in the int- introduction, but before we move to the next um analogy, you know, again, no analogy is perfect. Right. And so it's it's you're comparing two things to draw out some similarities and to make some illustrations. Um, but that doesn't mean that everything is parallel. Right. And so I mostly say that again, because I know that throughout history, scripture has been twisted to justify all kinds of things including slavery and you know because paul mentioned slavery in this first analogy i just want to touch on it though again i don't think that's what paul is directly addressing uh but i I just think it's always worth mentioning that we have to rightly divide the word of god and um you know to use scripture to justify slavery um You know, it just flies in the face of even what Paul is saying, even in the, you know, even in these, these illustrations and these analogies, you know, because what one thing that happens through the gospel is that we are all set free, you know, and so even though Paul uses that uh, imagery of slavery, I don't believe he is justifying its existence. He's definitely not justifying the, uh, the abuses that come with slavery, because I think at least in that society, you know, there were forms of slavery that were, that, you know, weren't what we associate slavery with, with, with again, with now. But, you know, again, that's a whole massive topic that I am not able to fully uh, unpack in this episode. But, um, but just know that, again, um, you know, just because he uses that that uh, image of slavery. I don't think it's, it's to justify slavery by any means. Okay. So I just want to at the very least mention that, um, before we move on to the next analogy. So now the second analogy that Paul uses begins in verse 21 of chapter four. Um, and he's talking about Abraham, you know, he's already talked about Abraham quite a bit, but he's talking about Abraham once again, and the two sons that he had by two different women, right. And in Paul's language, you know, one son was through a slave the other one through a free woman and paul says very you know specifically that he is using this story figuratively to represent two covenants and so again i think that's worth mentioning again you know with the history between arabs and jews you know and just i think it's worth mentioning he's not talking about two different races here you know he's not talking about you know slave versus free here though that is part of the story for sure uh, but he's really using this to talk about two different covenants okay and so um, again I, I just I know I'm repeating it a lot but I just think it's so important that we divide the word rightly and I just you know I I understand that Throughout history, the scriptures have been used to justify all kinds of evil, and we can so easily fall into that mistake as well. And so I think it's always worth mentioning um, that we need to be careful of that. Um, But again, you know, that's what Paul is not saying. But the main point of of this episode is to talk about what he is saying here. And so let's talk about these two covenants. So again, um, you know, if you understand the story, you know, God made these incredible promises to abraham which really points to a bigger picture that you know god's whole plan of salvation primarily depends upon his promise and his ability to fulfill that promise not in our ability to obey of course he calls us to obey and respond but the the weight of the responsibility doesn't primarily rest on us if that makes sense and that is that in and of itself is good news okay um but again the the god's plan was meant to be through a promise his promise to abraham that she that he would have a son through sarah um who was past the age of childbearing and so you know very literally it was only possible if god came through if god performed a miracle right like they had no ability to accomplish this in their own flesh and that was the point um but you know as many of us tend to do you know we grow impatient or we get scared or whatever 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 the the motivation the motivation is but um you know time is passing they're not getting pregnant and so um you know Sarah comes up with this plan that Abraham can have a child through her servant girl or her slave girl Hagar and so Abraham agrees to this plan and then they end up having Ishmael And, again, it doesn't mean that Ishmael is a mistake or that his descendants are a mistake. Again, I just don't want us to read into the text something that's not there um, or justify, like, racism or anything, you know. Um, But that being said, um, you know, Ishmael does have this unfortunate connotation now um, with kind of being the analogy that's, that's always used for um, you know, us trying to make God's per- promises happen in our own timing or in our own strength or in our own flesh, right? And and Paul says that too, the one in verse 23, the one by the slave was born as a result of the flesh, while the one by the free woman was born through promise. Um, but again, he's he's talking about two different covenants. That's that's what he's talking about. It's not about races or, you know, uh, socioeconomic status or anything at this point, okay? Um but one represents, you know, the law, which is the old covenant, and one represents, uh, grace, which is the new covenant, right? And so, um, you know, again, the whole point of this analogy is to say that we are we have been given a new reality in the in Christ in the new covenant that God is really restoring what he always intended from the beginning but again the law the time of the law was necessary for a time it was meant to be temporary it wasn't ideal but but it was needed for a time but it was never meant to end there that was never meant to be the end of the story and so really this analogy is also pointing us toward what god always had in his heart for humanity which is sonship that standing before god that inheritance that relationship all of it all of these good things that god wants to give us that's what these are pointing us to you know so like the young child being prepared under a tutor um, you know we were also destined for a great inheritance Um, and that is good news and again paul is very clear at the end of chapter three this invitation is open to all and so that's where these analogies do start to break down you know because in that time in that culture and i would say even in our today in our modern culture you know so much does depend upon uh who your family is or what your socioeconomic status is or or what your gender is or what your race is you know like that's that's so much of how the world has always worked and continues to work even until this day i think that's at least part of what paul is referencing when he talks about the principles of this world this world kind of operates on those same principles you know no matter what religion even you are you know like those are the principles of this world system but god's kingdom is not of this world right and so in god's kingdom all are invited all are welcome you know no matter your race no matter your socioeconomic status or how much power you have in your society no matter your gender we are all invited to be children of god that is just unbelievable right we are all in we are all uh, given we are all eligible to receive this inheritance of his kingdom You know, and lastly, this final sentence of of chapter four, which is going to point us, you know, take us into chapter five, is, you know, therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of a slave, but of the free woman. You know, again, slavery was a reality in Paul's day. It's been a reality through history. But in this case, he's using it as as a metaphor, because in a sense, we were all slaves to sin. We were all slaves under that world system and we all needed to be set free and the good news is that that's what god made us for he made us for freedom he didn't make us to be again under this system you know of earning or or striving you know to earn our place to earn our keep to earn our standing um You know, that was never the system he intended for us. He always meant for us to be free, to walk in maturity, to walk in power and authority. You know, that's what he intended for us. And so, again, that is good news. Um, And yes, it does require um, some skill in, you know, in uh, interpreting the text. Um, But at the end of the day, Paul is using these analogies to help us understand what god has done what god is calling us to what god has given us in christ and so i hope that that encourages your heart today i hope that that's uh that brings you a measure of hope today because it is the gospel it is good news you know you were made for this you were made to be his child you were made to receive that inheritance you were made for freedom so again uh, i hope that this blesses you we will continue This journey next week Um, thanks for listening we'll see you next time thanks for joining us for today's podcast if you liked what you heard please leave us a rating and review and we'd be especially honored if you would pass along the podcast or recommend it to a friend before we sign off i just wanted to mention one of the most popular services we offer which is coaching for individuals and couples so on this podcast we're able to share biblical truth practical wisdom But we're speaking on in very broad terms. That's just the nature of the medium, right? Uh, But what coaching allows us to do is to get into the specifics of your story or your situation and apply these principles in a more focused way. And while we can't promise that we'll always find a solution or resolution, many times we've found that it's helpful for people just to have someone to listen and process life with. Sometimes that's actually what we need the most. Um, so if that sounds appealing and you're still not quite sure, we even offer a free 30-minute session for new clients. That's a great way to try out coaching with no financial obligation. Um, you can find more information about coaching or our other services at our website, thejourneyhome.global. And finally, if you want to connect with us, you can email us, you can connect by social media. All of the links to our accounts are in the show notes below. We truly love hearing from you, and we promise we actually will read and respond to your emails or social media interactions. Um, So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.